Good morning. Well, last week I started a series, a summer series, and it was a call to fathers. And I, I, I will expand that series to a call to fathers and families. You remember I told you last week that uh, we had approximately, this is last year now, 24 million children without the fathers in the home. So what we wanted to do is to uh, recognize that we do have a problem in the United States and to uh, also know that God is calling us to uh, line up according to his word, which if we did that, then we'll solve some of the problems. Until we do that, we won't solve those problems. Now, we'll start today by looking in Proverbs chapter 29. And if you don't have your Bibles, it's fine. We'll, we'll have it on the uh, PowerPoint on the screen. Uh, Proverbs 29, 18. We'll start there. And I gave you a hint last week. I said that any family, any family, any father, you must have a vision for your family. If you don't have a vision for your family, then you're asking people to follow you where? They don't know where you're going. So if, if there's no vision, of course, uh, they can't follow you. So people usually don't follow someone who doesn't know where they are going. Proverbs twenty nine eighteen says, where there is no vision, people are unrestrained. Now, what that means, really, is that back then, God spoke through the prophets and things of that nature. Uh, now, we know in Hebrews, it says he speaks through his son, which is the word of God. Also, we know that uh, that vision was a divine revelation, a divine revelation. So prophets had a divine revelation from God for the people. And so when the people didn't have that that uh, prophet coming to speak to them, they kind of got uh, unrestrained. They, 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 they were, they were uh, not restrained at all. They kind of went wild. And one of the examples of that, when Moses went up to the uh, mountain uh, for 40 days and 40 nights, of course, Aaron, uh, he, he was not really what he was supposed to be. And so the people were unrestrained because they didn't hear from the prophet. They didn't hear from Moses. And so they said, where is this Moses, you know? Well, let's build us a calf to uh, let people know that we're going to follow this calf. This calf is the one who brought us out of Egypt. And see, people will do that when they don't have a word from God. But the verse, thankfully, says, but happy is he who keeps the law. And so we have, even if you don't have a, uh, you know, some divine revelation come from God, you didn't have a dream, you didn't have a vision, anything like that, you have the Word of God. And the Word of God is powerful. The Word of God is, is, is really living. The Word of God speaks everything that needs to be spoken to us. Okay? And so whether, whether we have a vision, whether we have a dream, whether we have a prophetic word, or any of those things, we have the Word of God, and we need to live by it. So we need to set our families in tune to this is what this household is about. And when I first started uh, with, with Christianity... I told my, my children in my household, uh, I had a verse. As far as me and my household, we shall serve the Lord. And that's what we were going to do. We were going to do that. 
And so that's what you need to do. Set some type of vision for your household. And I think that it's going to be, I know it's going to be much better. In Amos chapter 8, verse 11 and 12. Now these were, of course, in the, in the, in the, in the prophetic times when the prophets were speaking and, and things in the Old Testament. It says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord God, when I will send a famine on the land. Not a famine for bread or a thirst for water, but rather in hearing the words of the Lord. And the people will stagger from sea to sea and from the north even to the east. And they will go to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. Now, what we don't want to do is what they were doing. They, they, they despised the word of God when the prophets did bring the word of God. So, the, so God stopped sending the prophets. And so they didn't hear a word from God. And what we don't want to do is to ignore the word of God that we, that's plainly written here in many versions in, in our, our so many languages in our nation. We have everything that we need, but we don't want to get to the point where we have to get desperate for God. Do you hear what I'm saying? Now, you say, well, I'm always desperate for God. Are you really? You know, I know I was not desperate for God until God came and he caused me to be desperate for him. You see? Sometimes we can hit a place where we, we, have, we have hit our, our end. That's it, you know. We've tried everything we possibly can try. It will not matter. It doesn't work, you know. We've tried education. We've tried Doctors, we tried everything, but God is above everything. And so, therefore, I don't want to get to a desperate place. Someone said, well, you know, uh, God, get me to a place where I have to serve you. No, uh-uh, no, don't, don't pray that. I'm going to tell you, don't pray that, you know. <laughs> what you want to get to, you want to be pliable. You want to be submissive. You want to be uh, uh, easy to be led. That's what you want to be. And so... As far as a vision, I'm going to give you a vision today, and you can uh, substitute it for another one. But until you get one, here's a vision for you. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Here's a vision for you, for your household, just in case you don't have one. And I know everyone has a vision. 1 Corinthians 13, let's start in, in um, 8, verse 8. Now it says here, love never fails. Now, it was speaking of, in the context of it, it, it starting in chapter 12, it's talking about the gifts of the Spirit and things of the nature, where it says, I don't care what kind of gift you have, if you don't have love, it's nothing. You know, it profits you nothing, because love never fails. Then it goes on to say, we, we know in part in verse 8, then it goes on to uh, verse 12 and says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then, face to face. Now we know in part, but then... I will know fully, just as I have been known. Verse 13, that's a key verse. But now, faith, hope, love. Abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. Now, I want to just throw this out as a vision for your household, is that if you would have the pillars of your household with love, with faith, with hope, you have, you have a great vision. Because after all, God is love, isn't he? Love never fails, is that correct? So therefore, you have it. Now, we know that faith works by love also. It says that in another verse. So therefore, we know that they work together. We know you can't have, really, faith without love. We know that God is love. We know that 
that because of God, we have hope. We have hope. Without God, there is no hope. So we're going to concentrate this morning for a few minutes on that word hope. Hope is not based on something that's visible. If you can see it, there's no need to hope for it. And hope is not one of these uh, things that we think about and say, well, I hope I become a billionaire. You know? There's no need to hope that you're going to become a billionaire. Okay? Because it's usually not is going to be, you, you, can't, you can't look at that and say, well, this is probably going to come to pass. You know? No, this is probably not going to come to pass. But as far as hope is concerned, hope is, is something that's expected. Okay? It's expected. That's biblical hope now. It's an expectation. Joyful expectation. You know now, uh, we were expecting this day to come. So we prepared for it. We knew this day was coming. We didn't know exactly what day because it kept changing, you know. But we know it, we knew that it was coming. So it was not it was not one of these blind hopes that that well I hope we get into this new building. No, we were we were anticipating getting into this new building. That's what we were doing. That's hope. Okay, that's hope. The 4th of July, you've probably planned things. You know, you have vacations planned this summer if you haven't already taken your vacation. And when you plan for those vacations, then you already know that you, you are expecting to go on this vacation unless something drastic happened. So therefore, that is really hope. It's not a, I wish I can go on vacation. There was a time I, I wished I could go on vacation because I didn't have any money. You know? So I couldn't go on vacation. But this is not the hope we're talking about. We're talking about a joyful expectation. Hope is living. That's another thing that you need to know. Hope is living. Let's look at First Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Hope is living. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Not a dead hope. A living hope. Hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You see, if Jesus didn't, didn't die and didn't rise again, we wouldn't have any hope. But since he did, we have a living hope because Jesus is alive. Is that correct? That's why we celebrate Resurrection Sunday on Easter is because he rose. Is that correct? He rose. We serve a living God. So therefore, we have a living hope. Our hope is in Christ. God and his grace are the real hope of the believer. God and his grace are the real hope of the believer. Let's look at First Peter chapter 1 and let's look at first um, 17 through 21. It says, And if you address as father the one who impartially judges according to the, each man's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay upon the earth, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with the precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished, unspotless, the blood of Christ. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you, who through him, who's the him that's talking about? Jesus Christ. Who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead 
and gave him glory so that your faith and, what's that word? Hope are in God. Everything is, is because of God. Our hope is in God. Now, Romans fifteen thirteen. let's look there. It says, now may the God of hope. Now, this is, really, this is making it really specific, isn't it? Now, the God of hope. Now, not only does the word give us hope, the scriptures, but he says that now the God of hope. That means that there is no hope without God. That's right. Christian hope is found upon the prophetic word. In Romans 15, 4, it says, For whatever is written in the earlier times was written for our instruction, that through perseverance and encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. I love getting into the word of God because it gives me encouragement. It gives me hope. It really does. And sometimes when things get kind of uh, the circumstances, let's say, and it probably doesn't happen to you, but it does happen to me. When circumstances, uh, they are contrary to what I believe should be happening, then I kind of sometimes get... Um, I wouldn't say depressed. I would say I get irritated sometimes. I get uh, down sometimes. I'm not in the, in the happiest mood, you know. I don't feel like jumping and dancing and, and, and shouting, you know. What I feel like doing is, uh, God, what is going on? Have you ever felt like that? Yeah. And so when I get into the Word of God, it helps me. It really does. It helps me. You know, my, my wife and I, uh, when, when she, we came home, we were eating dinner. Um, nope, we're eating a, eating a dessert. We're eating some fruit last night. <laughs> and uh, she said, well, hey, this is what God shared with me. And uh, I, I said, oh, that's great. That is good. I said, this is what he gave me yesterday morning, you know. And she said, oh, he gave us similar things. You know, I said, yeah. And what it was is that basically that we need to wait upon God. Don't look at your circumstances and, and, and start getting uh, anxious about our circumstances. He wants us to uh, look to him and wait upon him. Now, waiting is not one of these things that we're just sitting and waiting. Waiting is really moving forward with what you know to do, but not getting uh, all concerned about it such that you want to start doing something yourself. Because we can start doing things ourselves, and we'll, we call that getting into the flesh, you know. We're, we're doing it ourselves, you know. We can't wait upon God because God, he, he really doesn't understand our situation, so we got to do it ourselves. You know what I'm saying, don't you? You know, uh, when you, those, those of you who have children, I know you understand what I'm saying because, you know, we want our children to be obedient. We want them to be, uh, you know, just so nice and sweet and anything we tell them to do, they say, yes, Dad, yes, Mom, oh, yes, I, I'm so happy to do it. We want them to do that, but when they don't do it, Sometimes we want to say, well, you know, I'm going I'm to cause them to do this thing, you see. I'm going to cause them to have some respect for me. And, and we don't realize that sometimes that we get out of, we get out of uh, the will of God because we start raising our voice. We start doing things that we shouldn't do, you know. And that doesn't help the situation. It only makes it worse. Teenagers are pretty smart, you know that? And children are pretty smart. They, they come out, you know, really, really kind of smart. They know how to, they know how to manipulate I don't know whether you know it or not, but babies know how to get what they want. They can cry, can't you? And you can, you, can, you can ignore them if you want to, but you will not sleep. 
You know? You will not sleep. You're going to have to get up and you're going to have to, you're going to have to, you know, change them. You're going to have to feed them. You're going to have to do something because they're going to get what they want. And as they grow older, they learn other ways to get what they want. So the thing is that you have to uh, kind of work on this thing. So God, help me. I'm going to wait upon you. What, 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 what are your directions for this thing? Hope is assured. Hope is assured. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18. And I hope you all don't mind, you know, listening to the word because I like the word. Say. Uh, it says, in order that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we may have strong encouragement. We who have fled for refuge in lying hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have set as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, and one which enters within the veil. You know, it gives you a picture of a ship, and when you're, when, when you're coming to shore, the ship can't go but so forth to shore, and then they, they cast the anchor down, and that anchor does what? Keeps the ship there, okay? It won't let the ship go anywhere. You know, the winds, the storm come, but the anchor holds it there. See, our soul needs an anchor. And that's what God is saying. Is that, that we're supposed to have this hope as an anchor to our soul. And that's a sight to me because I know that my soul still want, you know, want, want to just get up and just have its own way. You know, as the song says, uh, it is well with my soul. You know, most of us can't sing that, sing that song because it's not well with our soul all the time. You know, our soul is just running around wanting to do its own thing. You see, that's why the, the scripture says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let our requests be known to God. So what we tend to do is get anxious. We get concerned about it and, and we can't sleep at night a lot of times, you know, but uh, we God wants us to be restful, restful. The picture of, of that I see of this hope that God wants us as an anchor for our soul is a time when when Jesus uh, was told them, let's go to the other side. He was, they were in the boat. And a storm coming up. These are fishermen. I mean, these are, I mean, I mean, powerful fishermen. They knew what they were doing, professional fishermen. And the boat was, you know, getting filled up with water and everything. And they're going to wake Jesus up and say, don't you care? Don't you care? You know, we're going to sink. And say, Jesus, he already understands that we're going to the other side. We are going to the other side. Why are you concerned about it if I already said we're going to the other side? But they are looking at the circumstances, and he's restful. He says, oh, you have a little faith. And so my picture that I have is that he's telling me of all the circumstances, of all the things that, that comes across in my life, I need to put an anchor down for my soul and say it is well with my soul because of him who I trust in. Now, to be without hope is to be without God. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. Remember that you were, at that time, separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having, what's those two words? No hope, and without God in the world. That's a bad place to be, isn't it? And if you're without God, you're automatically without what? Hope, okay? Because there's hope in God. 
And I, I'd like to always, uh, in this vision that you have for your household, with love, faith, and hope, is to make sure that you, uh, men, and we, of course we have a lot of women who are head of households now because uh, the men are absent, what we have to do is make sure that we have a, a, a impartation, let's put it that way, an impartation of hope for our household. If you, if you don't have hope for that household, those children, they are not going to um, respond properly when things are not going their way because they don't have hope of anything changing. And I'm trying to teach... Uh, my daughters and trying to teach, you know, my wife, trying to teach my soul that regardless of the circumstances, we're going to wait on God because our hope is in God. Our hope is not man's deliverance. Our hope is not, you know, uh, circumstances delivering. We're not lucky. What we're waiting for is God, and God can use Man, he can use circumstances, he can use anything he wants to. He can use a bird, he can use a donkey, can he? He can use anything he wants to use, but I'm waiting on him. And so my ears are tuned to him. Now, if we don't have that, what we'll tend to do is we'll rely on our feeble efforts. We'll get discouraged in any situation. If we get sick and a doctor say, well, you know what, we've done all we can. Uh, You know, you might as well... You know, just go home and, uh, you know, make sure you have your wheel out uh, because you're going to be gone in, a, in about two weeks. Who are you going to call on? You can't call on the doctors. He already told you. Who are you going to call on? If, if you don't have hope in God, there's no hope. Is that correct? That's why you must impart uh, uh, that hope in your household. You know, uh, those of you who have uh, young men as sons, you want that young man to have a, 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 a wife who's a godly wife. Is that correct? If you have daughters, you want that, that daughter to have a godly husband. You don't want somebody marrying your child who's going to cause problems and for you because it's going to be problems for you too. You know? I don't care how old they are, they're going to be problems for you. You know, and there's all sorts of stuff going on in the household. Your grandchildren, all sorts of stuff going on with your grandchildren. You don't want that going on. So what you have to do is you have to say, well, look, I'm going to impart hope. Hey, our daughter, son, wait for the right one. Do not get anxious. And just because you are 25, 26, 27, because you are whatever, you know, we have people, singles in here who are uh, in their 40s, don't we? You know, uh, they're going to have to wait upon the Lord. They can easily get a, a mate. Easy, easy. Okay? But once you jump into that fire, you know, you better know what you're doing. Because I didn't know what I was doing. I really didn't. I thank God that he knew what I, what I needed and gave me a godly wife. Because if we're not for Minerva, and that's my godly wife, if we're not for her, I really don't know where I'll be. Honestly, I'd, I'd, probably, I'd probably be dead somewhere. I'm serious. Uh, I was messed up, you know. Not on, on not a lot, I was never been on drugs or alcohol and stuff like that. It was just that I was immature and, and really simple. You know, really, I'm serious. And some, I, hear, I hear someone say, you're still simple. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not what I used to be anyway. <laughs> 
Now, what I want to do is give you an opportunity to hear a testimony uh, from uh, one of the members of uh, W. Stratton's uh, team. Uh, I met this young man. He was, uh, we were going to get some things for the church, and we had lunch together, and he, he was telling me about his testimony. And uh, I told my wife, I said, and that's, that's, that's something that people need to hear. I'm going to ask him whether he'll get his testimony. And, of course, uh, uh, Jay said he would. So, uh, Jay, would you come up and I want you to give a testimony of what God has done in your life. And uh, he has his family with him. Uh, Denise, would you stand? This is his wife of almost 20 years. Uh, and, and this is his daughter, Haley, okay, 14, okay? Uh, now, Jay, um, he's, uh, a, he's the head carpenter for W. Stratton. And uh, I told him, today you're going to be a minister of the gospel, you know, <laughs> meaning he's a servant of the good news, that's basically about Jesus Christ, okay? Uh, when, I, when we were talking uh, in the restaurant at the time, I think it was Hardy's, we were talking, yeah. Uh, tell us what your life was like before God intervened. And, and I, of course, I, know, I think you went to church and all those type of things like that. Tell, tell briefly what, well, what it was about. like most people. Um, you know, holidays, go to church. You know, uh, my grandparents, you know, they, they went to church all the time. But sometimes they drag me along. And, you know, I believed in God. and uh, But I really did things myself. You know, I, you know, I knew about what I wanted. I did what I wanted. You know, I wasn't a bad guy or anything like that. I was just a, just a regular guy. But, uh, you know, I, I thought I knew God. But um, I really did. I, I, I thought that, you know, if I die, I'll go to heaven because, you know, I'm as good as most people. But looking now, I really don't feel that way. Mm-hmm. But um, what happened to me was I took and I had juvenile diabetes from when I was 20 years old. And, uh, you know, I could handle that extra shots, you know, I stopped, I didn't look at you. And uh, so it got bad enough that they finally did an organ transplant. And I said, wow, this is great. I'm sure everything's great. Three days after the organ transplant, they from both blood clot of both ends. And they said, you want to see the chaplain or somebody? You know, this ain't good. Yeah. Uh, probably not going to make it. And uh, if I did, it would have been a real hard recovery back to being diabetic. And uh, so when everybody left me that evening, I took an out there in the hospital bed, and I took a real good look at my life. And I realized, you know, here I am, my life may be over. And I've never really served God. I've never, I've just done what I wanted to do. And so I had a long talk with the Lord. <laughs> I took it and, and uh, you know, I, I confessed everything that I could ever think of that I've done. And uh, I just wanted to be right with them. And, uh, and that's when I told the Lord, I said, if you don't need this, do this. Just go and you know, lose the fan plate, not to just go back. And, uh, and being diabetic, the way I was, that I would start going to church. I would learn more about it. I would, uh, I would try to find out how to serve it. So, uh, so I took in. Uh, I had a, a calmness and a peace come over me, 
And uh, and I just I just felt all out there, and I figured, well, I'm never gonna sleep tonight. But I lay down there and just just slept like a baby. And uh, a strange thing happened in about the middle of the night. One of the I thought it was a doctor up there come up, rub my arm, you know, woke me up. And uh, and he says uh, he said, Mr. Pugh, he said, uh, uh, we may have good news for you. We may have a another organ that we can take the bad organ out and give you a, a second transplant. And I'd asked the nurses before and the doctors, and they said, it just doesn't work like that. You waited seven months for this one, and that's quick. You know, you just, we just can't, you know, can't do that. So I went back to sleep, woke up the next morning, started telling everyone about this. And they said, like, nah. I said, that people see uh, dead relatives, see all sorts of things. You know, you're under a lot of stress, and it just didn't happen. Well, I continued just to feel, just to feel peace all day. I was like, hey, whatever. Whatever happens, you know, I'm, I just feel content. Well, go to sleep that night. In the middle of the night, here comes a buddy, you know. So, uh, so uh, I, I grabbed home that time. I said, "Are you real? <laughs> you know, are you?" Uh, he said, "Yeah, I'm really doctor." He said, "I heard about all that." He said, uh, "He said I signed you up, and you know who I am and everything, and and we're still trying to get you that organ." And uh, so uh, I took and I took and. Uh, uh, waited uh, about a week, and it was getting kind of late in the game, and, and I finally got that organ, and uh, and I haven't had so much as a fever. I've uh, spent three and a half years. And it's been wonderful. No more diabetes. Oh, Everything's been great. Oh, man. That's good. That's good. That's good. But you know, that's to me, that's that's just a little thing. It was a big thing when it happened, but. I started going to church, started learning about the Lord. Uh, I read my Bible, I go to Bible study, and the changes that that's made in my life is bigger than the changes in my body. And now I try to really live for the Lord. I, I, I try to, um, you know, do the things that, that He would have me do, you know, to take and and uh, and talk about him to other people and and to have love for everyone as he does and you know not you know I mean I've been reading a lot about the uh, you know um, all the law of Moses you know the commandments and everything and you know if if you're a believer in Christ if you're in the body of Christ then that doesn't apply to you anymore I mean that's we have the promises of Abraham we you know we're we're free of all that you know we the you know, we're, we're, we, we don't understand how free we are. I mean, we, we have, you know, nothing to hold us, to hold us back. You know, we, we're, we're, uh, we're in the Lord. And, and, and I would hope that anyone that could hear me, if you're not in that place, to, to commit yourself to the Lord. And, and you know, to, to actually, you know, to die to this old sinful self that you have and, and don't hold on to it. And to actually, you know, let, let God fill you and, and let Him do His work in you, and uh, and and you have a peace and a joy that you'll never find anywhere else. So, praise God. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. That's good. That's good. You're doing good. Thanks. Very good. God's good, isn't it? Yeah. And you, you can't take Jay's hope from him if you had a crowbar. You can't take it from him. You know, because he really has, he has hope now. And it's not based on 
you know, his physical condition is based on the God whom he served. And that's, that's a great thing. I want to take this uh, time now to recognize the special people who have made it possible for us to uh, be in this particular facility. Uh, because we have, since I've been in this church about over 25 years or so, and, and uh, we have been moving around. Uh, really, we, were, we never had a, a building when I first came here. Uh, we were in the back of a piano company, and then we moved to a recreation place. Then we moved to a, a school uh, that used to be a school, and, and we rented that. Uh, then we purchased a building on, on, off, uh, on Park Avenue, and that's where we were for a while. And from there, I knew that that's, that was really not where God wanted us to be, um, uh, but I was really, uh, really afraid to take a chance in moving from that place because it was paid for, totally. We didn't have mortgage, we didn't have, we didn't have rent, nothing. It was ours, you know. And so we could do any ministry we wanted to. Uh, we didn't have any financial difficulty whatsoever. Uh, it was great. Uh, and my uh, mentor, who's in, in uh, Columbia, South Carolina, he said, if you uh, could have your way, had all the money that you wanted to have, what would you do? I said, move from this facility on Park Avenue. He said, well, then, why are you still there? I've told you that you need to move, you know. You heard from your elders. They say you need to move, you know. Why won't you move? And I didn't want to cause the body problems, you know, because, uh, you know, we can cause, cause our um, I said children problem the parents step out and do something that's going to uh, that's not wise okay but um, I said well I don't want to cause a body problem because you know this is God's body this is not just my family this is God's body and uh, so I was I was talking to uh, Major Cope over to Salvation Army and he said well uh, we want to purchase this building I said well whoopee but I don't want to sell it you know and so uh, one thing led to another, and uh, I, was, I was, I guess, before the Lord, and, and he said that, you know, uh, the only reason why you won't, you won't do this is because you're afraid that I won't uphold you. That's what it is. If you knew I was going to uphold you, you would do it. And so you want to be safe. If you want to be safe, there's no place in the kingdom for safe people, you know. And the kingdom is for risking. You know, it's a, it's a risk to talk about the Lord, you know, because everybody's not going to want to hear it, you know. Uh, it's a risk to live for the Lord because you might not have the friends you want to have, okay. So I said, well, okay, uh, I'm going for it, okay. And, but then what we had to do is find somebody who would loan us the money, okay. Uh, and before, I, I never really wanted to ever have a mortgage on a church because it was God's church. And my mentor said, well, do you have a mortgage on your house? I said, yes. He said, that's kind of silly, isn't it? You got a mortgage on your house, and you think that's okay, that's godly, but you won't have a mortgage on, on the church, and it's, but it's God's church, and you have more people to pay for it. And so he, he taught me a lot of things. And so we looked into another, area, uh, another people, a group of people out of North Carolina. They were going to loan us the money. We had everything all, 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 all ready. And, but I was not... I was not really pleased with what they were, they were going to do because it was going to cost a lot of money. 
And so I, I went to every bank just about in Lynchburg. And God moves in, in, in really interesting ways. I met a lady. Uh, uh, they, they, uh, the family came to the church. And um, she happened to work for First National. Back then it was at First National Alta Vista. And she said, uh, she told her husband to tell me that, hey, if you will see this man right here, he will help you. And this man was a Jim Manier, you know. And so um, I said, well, I wonder, does she carry any weight in this building, in, 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 in the First National, you know. Uh, so uh, I went to, I guess it was um, the branch bank over by Old Forest Road, which uh, Miriam, she's the uh, manager there, talked to her, and she introduced me to, to Jim. We got together. And uh, he said, well, we'll see. And God opened the door that he took a chance, and they took a chance, First National, with us. And I want uh, Jim to stand, and Miriam to stand. Uh, they, they, they've been instrumental in, in this work. Okay? Without them, without them, we wouldn't be here, guaranteed. That was back then when they weren't giving money out freely, okay? They were very, very, uh, you know, stringent on who they would give money to. And, but First National took a chance with us. Uh, and, and I said, well, praise God. It must be God. I'm a, you know, this is, this is just a sign from God. It's good. And I want to let you know how much I really appreciate you taking a chance on us because we weren't, you know, a big congregation. This is just a small congregation, uh, but you, we, we had our financial ducks in a row, but then you never know, <laughs> you know. You never know with, with, uh, with, with you know, dealing with um, our volunteer free will offering other people, uh, but you took a chance. And, and I'm grateful, and the people are grateful. Let's give God a hand for First National. Now, the next person was uh, W.A. Stratton, and um, um, the owner, Bill, he, he started a company, William Stratton, and his son, who I deal with most of the Brent, all, all of them on, on a family vacation now at, at the beach, so they couldn't be here. So I, I know that Jay is here. Is anybody else here from W.A. Stratton? No, Okay. And I, I know that, that um, uh, they, have, they did a great thing because he had to... Uh, we had a certain amount that was budgeted, and it w- wasn't going to go over that, period. And so uh, Brent had to come up with the money, how, how, not the money, but the, the way that it's going to cost just this much money, that's all. And he, he narrowed this thing down so that um, uh, it's, it's right where we want it. Uh, first, I wanted to, uh, we had on the plans, we said we're going to have a, a probably about a, uh, I think it, back then it was about a 26,000 square feet building. Uh, but uh, we didn't have the finances for that. Uh, and then we got it down to about 18. We didn't have the finances for that. And, but it's 10,000 square feet now, and we had the finances for that uh, with all the things that, that Brent did to, to make it possible. Uh, so uh, we want to thank W.A. Stratton also. God used them. And they're, they're, we're talking about Christian people. Okay? We're talking about Jim O'Neill, he's a Christian. We're talking about the Strats, they are Christians. Um, so let's give God a hand for using Christians. Another uh, person uh, that helped out tremendously uh, because we had 
uh, by the plans of the city, we had 570-some plants to plant. And um, uh, it was, we couldn't do it. We just couldn't do it. And we put out bids for different things, and, and it was too high for us. But we had one, one bid came in that, that we could probably make it um, if they would also give us a warranty. And the only person that gave us a warranty was Old Dominion Landscaping. And, and uh, John Payne, uh, he, he worked with us. And matter of fact, uh, he said, look, it would not be wise for, for you to plant all these 507-some trees because uh, you have a watering crew made up of a 79-year-old lady, and, and her, her, her other lady is not going to work, I'm going to tell you. He said, what you need to do is get a bond uh, for the rest of it. I can plant in the fall, and I'll plant about 100 and something. And it, John, it is hard to plant. It's hard to water those hundreds or something, I'm telling you. So John, stand up for us, please. It's John Payne. Okay, give him a hand. God, God really bless you. Okay. Uh, we have um, uh, the people who helped us paint, because we, we did a lot of the painting ourselves. Uh, but uh, Paul Spansky helped doing that. He's on vacation. ADC Lawn Care. Uh, they are doing the lawn for us at a price that, that, that you wouldn't do it for. I guarantee you, you wouldn't do it for it. Uh, I don't think it's anybody here from ADC. Is, is uh, Dean Campbell here today? Okay. Uh, Dean Campbell, he runs ADC Lawn Care, and he's doing the lawn for $55 a week. And I'm talking about everything. I'm talking about, the, I'm talking about behind our holding ponds. I'm talking about the holding ponds. I'm talking about the film, the everything, you know, for $55 a week. Now, that's unheard of. That's unheard of. It costs $40 to cut my, my, my grass at home, you know. <laughs> so uh, God has been using people all along. You know, the, uh, the, the Seventh-day Adventist church, uh, they, had, they had cut off having churches rent their church because they, they meet on Saturdays, uh, and we needed to rent, rent on Sunday. And they said that we don't want to do that because uh, the last experience we had with a, a Christian organization, uh, they just trashed our place, and I don't, we don't want to do that. Uh, but after meeting with him, meeting with his wife and, and my wife and stuff, what he, he decided to do is go to the board of elders, and he, he talked on our behalf, and so we got a chance to uh, rent their facility. And now we've, we've opened the door for any other church to uh, rent their facility because of what you as a congregation, uh, the way you represent God in that place. And he said so many times. So I want to give even the Seventh-day Adventist church and Pastor Dale Long and his wife Mary and their board a hand from God, okay? <clears throat> now, Believer's Fellowship, right down the road here on the left, uh, we are very close to Pastor uh, John and Teresa. Uh, we are very close to them, my wife and I. And they allowed us to use their church, their facility, free free of charge. Anytime they weren't using it, uh, so we had our children's minister there, we had a youth minister there, we go to have uh, meetings, uh, we can use it anytime we wanted to, they gave us keys to the building, no charge whatsoever, you know, and that is, that's usually unheard of about a, about a church, you know, so I want to give God a hand for his body, you know, that's good. We had many other people I'll just name a few W.W. Associates. Uh, they're the architectures who did the, the plans and 
uh, Craddock Cunningham Architectures. They did some plans for Brent. Uh, the city planning department, they've helped out tremendously. Um, we, we were supposed to have other things done, but they uh, helped us out in, 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 in cutting some corners where we wouldn't have to spend the money uh, because it, it, was, it was a tremendous thing. They were asking, some, sometime we had to do a, a turn lane. I think you all remember that. When we had to do a turning lane, which would cost up in the um, maybe $60,000, and we couldn't afford that. We wouldn't have been able to build, but they took that off of our, our requirement. So the city council, the planning council, uh, they did a tremendous job. Vance Driscoll, is, is Vance here? Yeah, uh, Vance Driscoll. Vance Driscoll, he put in our sound system because uh, we had to have this uh, put in because I said, I, I don't want to come to this building the first uh, service and we don't have sound like we want to have it. Uh, we want everything to be in order. And so Vance, he um, came in, and he, uh, his crew, and they did it, and they did it for uh, a reasonable amount of money. And I'm, I'm very appreciative of God for using, using uh, Vance. And Vance, he's right over here in the Ruiton Club. The Ruiton Club, they let us use their facility free also. Anytime we had a, uh, want to have a, a fellowship function, we lead a seven-day Adventist church and come over here and have a, a free function there. They didn't charge us any rent whatsoever. And he said, any time we want to use it, uh, it's, it's, it's ours. You know? And so God is just working through his people. Let's give God a hand for what he's doing. Well, I want to close in prayer uh, and for the dedication and the villa and, and, and food. But the building has already been dedicated, okay? Uh, just in case you don't know, it's been dedicated. Uh, we dedicated the building uh, when they, uh, before they laid the foundation, okay? I believe that uh, a building is going to only be as strong as its foundation, okay? That's biblical. And we, we know that there is no foundation that you can, you can build without starting with a cornerstone. And the cornerstone has to be correct, if the cornerstone is not correct, the whole foundation could be incorrect. And so what we did is laid uh, a nice, what I call a cornerstone. And the cornerstone was a Bible. Uh, they, they allowed us to, to, to uh, lay a Bible in the foundations in the, in the corner over there. And it's, it's, the, it's the whole full you know, uh, uh, Bible there, not just scriptures, it's a Bible. And we want to let God know that this is his building. It's not our building, this is his building. And anything that takes place is only because of him. Okay? Uh, but I do want to uh, pray to let God know that we are dedicating ourselves to him because we are actually the building also, aren't we? Okay? We're God's building. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for everyone who's made it possible for us to be in this place. We thank you, Father, for you, because you are the only reason why we're in it. You used everybody that I've named and more. You used us, Lord. But it's only because of you. It's your goodness. It's your mercy. It's your grace, Lord. Without you, we would not have had hope to be in our own facility. We'd be still wandering from place to place. Father, we dedicate our lives to you afresh and anew. Sure, we have already dedicated our lives. 
but we're dedicating fresh and anew. We're not waiting to a circumstance that, like Jay uh, gave his testimony, a circumstance where we uh, have to do something or die. We're doing it because you have already died for our sins, Lord. We ask you to bless the food that we partake of, cause it to be nourishing for our bodies, bless the fellowship we have. And again, Father, we want to thank you for everyone who came today to take part in our grand opening. And it's grand, Lord. It's grand because it's you. It's because of you. In Jesus' name, everybody say, Amen. Uh, it is the.